Oh, man, I'm Scott, grateful believer in Jesus Christ and recovered from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. How are you guys doing tonight? You guys doing well? Yeah. Yeah, so, hey, it's an awesome night, super awesome. One, we've got guests from out of town that are here, and uh, because it's an anonymous ministry, I can't mention who they are, but they may be sitting there in that area. We all know who they are, and we love you, and we miss you, Scott and Susie. We're glad you're here to visit. Um, hey, so I've got like 19 minutes to get a message out, and I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I am because I'm a time freak because my previous boss taught me at 7.30, you're done. At 7.31, they better be going to group. And so we're going to be done at 7.30. I'm totally excited so buckle up, sit back, relax, you know, buckle up and get ready to go. Here it is. So, man, it's a great night. I want to take you, first of all, to a passage of scripture out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And I want to just kind of read this to you. It says this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He was a beggar, right? And Peter directed his gaze at them, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they filled with, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There's some things that jumped out at me in this. First of all, the word seeing. Seeing Peter and John. On sitting there in your depth and in your despair, in your muck, in your mire, in your addiction, in your alcoholism, in your porn addiction, you sit back, you look, and you see people who you think are healthy. You see people who are healthy, and you go, I want that. I want what they got. And hopefully when you walk in the rooms for the first time, second time, you're going into open share group. And when you're sitting in open share group, you're hearing shares of people who are, and you go, I want what they got. Something happened in that person's life and I want that. And I hope that's something. We see that. Well, guess what? Peter and John saw him in his depth and his despair. And he said, they said what? Look at us. Right? You have that mom that looks across and says, Stop it. Right? That's how it happens. The look at us. They say, look at us. Look at us. And I know when we're deaf and we are in our addictions, the guilt and shame ravages us so deep that sometimes it's hard to get eye contact with people. People we know, people that we talk to, our family members, and we're so down in the dumps that it's hard to look 
them in the eyes. And yet Peter and John say, look at us. Look here. That's powerful. So guess what he did? He fixed his attention on them. And may you fix your attention on Jesus. May you fix your attention on those people who are following after Christ, those people, like I said, that are sharing experience, strength, and hope. And when you look upon them, you see something that you want, and you get it. And then it goes on and says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You all want that miracle. You all want that moment in time when you go, do I ever feel like the crud of my life is gonna go away and I'm gonna start to see miracles? I mean, I hear of miracles. People share about miracles in group. They talk to me about the relationships and they're healthy, but I don't see it in my own life. Here's where it starts to happen. That when you fix your eyes on him and we get to this step, you've done your step four, you've made your inventory, you've gone and you've confessed that to somebody else, to God and to yourself, You've looked at your character defects. You've gone before. You've forgiven everybody that's hurt you, that you have a resentment against. And then not only forgiven them, but now you've gone to those people that you owe amends to and you've been willing to make amends. You've been willing to make it right what you had done to wrong them. And this is where the miracle starts to happen. And Jesus says, get up and walk. Get up, hold your head high, and walk. And guess what? Your ankles get strong again. Your feet get strength. And you get up, and you leap, and you jump. Why? Because when you have stuff like that happen, you can't help but tell others about what God has done in your life, what recovery has done in your life. That's what God starts to do. God does does those things. That's why... The 12th step, we say you can't keep it unless you give it away. I gotta find another sex addict to talk to. I gotta find another food addict to talk to. If you're an alcoholic, you gotta find another alcoholic to talk to. Because that's how it's designed that we would be able to bring people along. We'd be able to share that miracle, what God has done for us and what he can do for them. And I know we're not in step 12 and I know I'm jumping all over the steps, but tonight it's about step 10. That's what we're talking about. And we're working towards that. And then they say, it says this, and they saw him walking and praising God, the other people. And when the miracles start to happen in your life, when you've done the hard work, when you've gone through that step study and you are around your family, they notice. They notice there's something different. Hey, what's different with you? One, you're sober, awesome, <laughs> right? You're not slurring your words, you're not stumbling, you're good, Right? They notice there's something different. There's not that edge to you. There's not that hostility to you. There's not that shame they see in your eyes. They see the difference. They see the miracle and they go, hey, I want what he's got. I want what he's got. And here it goes on to another verse out of uh, second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. It says this, and such were some of you. And such were some of you, but you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of God, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And such were some 
of you. We just did communion. We just walked through the grace that gets poured out upon us. And yes, we can do a lot of things, and there's a lot of things God's grace covers. Absolutely. But not everything's beneficial to me. Because if we return to that bottle, if we return to that needle, if we return to that website, if we return to that place, we're only gonna be drugged back deep, and we're gonna give dominance back over to Satan. All of us sin, so how do we deal with that on a regular basis? I mean, reality is you've gone through a step study. That doesn't make, you're, gonna, you're not gonna be perfect. Believe me, I'm not perfect. I've been through nine step studies onto my 10th, and I'm far from perfect. <laughs> ask the people I work with, ask my spouse, ask my children, ask my football team who I yell at regularly. <laughs> Literally wore a shirt yesterday that said the problem with today's society is that we no longer drink out of the skulls of our enemies. That is awesome. Right? <laughs> Tell me. Right? That cracked me up. Probably shouldn't wear that. But um, uh, that, that I'm not perfect. We all sin. Right? We all have these things that happen in our life. But how do we deal with that on a regular basis? That's what step 10 is about. That's what we're going to talk about today. Is how do we deal with that? And I got 10 minutes left. My intro was really long. Here we go. So, good thing, good, it's called Crossroads, and I know with CR we always do the acronym. Good thing we're not going through the acronym Crossroads. It's 10, so it's T-E-N. It's really short. It's awesome. So, the T in 10 is this. Take time to do a daily inventory. No, hey, listen, I'm going to get deeper into this in two weeks. I asked Scott Miller if I could teach his lesson on Spartzla, and he said yes. If I was thinking I, and would have timed it out, I would have had him teach Spartzla tonight because it's that important of a message that we need to hear. But I'm going to teach it in two weeks. It's going to be awesome. But here's the deal is take time to do a daily inventory. I'm a food addict. So in my mind, I go, I'm good, I ate, I didn't eat a lot, I kinda, I'm in denial, right? I don't really understand the amount of food I put in my body. That's how I got this size. I ate pizza, good. Well, in my mind, I'm like, I ate a piece or two. In reality, a piece, of, piece or two turned into six or seven. And then I'm wondering, why is there no leftovers, right? If I eat standing up, it doesn't count, right? So I don't need to put it down. And if I'm walking, then it's actually negative points and it's even better for us. No, that's not how things work. I eat pistachio, so I'm always cracking the shells and that's work, so it totally burns calories, right? That's good. Again, not how it works, but here's what I had to start doing. I had to start writing down the food I put into my body. Ugh. I hated that because I was like, I didn't eat that much. And then I started to write down all the food and I hit 2,000 calories and I still had another meal and a half left to journal. <laughs> How did I put down 3,000 calories in a day? I didn't eat that much. So I have to get my journal and I have to write out, I ate this, I ate this. This is how many ounces I ate. This is how many calories it was. I have my app on my phone. I wish I could tell you I track it every day. I'm not great in my recovery in that area, but I'm getting better. Yes, I know. 
Thank you. That's what it's about. Progress, not perfection. Yes. I got a guy I sponsor that literally for a year and a half, I was like, write down your food. He didn't write it down. And finally, recently, he started writing down his food. And he's like, this is working. My pants are getting looser. My clothes are loose. And I'm like, hallelujah. (laughs) Write it down. That's amazing. That's what we need to do. I don't know what you need to write down, but you need to write it down. You need to count it. You need to do it. My issue is food. I don't know what it is. If you're codependent, how many times did you try to play God today? No, come on. It's not like that. Right? If you're, if you're a drug addict, if you're an alcoholic, how many times did that really come about where you were really tempted to go use? Or did you use? Right? Those are important things to just write it down. It's not saying it was, when I write down my food, it wasn't saying that the food was good or bad. It just simply was taking an accurate account of what, what happened today. So you write it down. We meditate on it. See, we need time to digest what God is saying to us. When we take time with the word of God, we digest it and we read about it. Psalm chapter 51, verses one through three says this. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. What a great passage. I love that verse. Love those verses. That we would do it morning and night. When you wake up, I was listening to Scott as he was teaching Spartzla on my morning walk today. And he said that every morning he wakes up and he surrenders to God. When you wake up in the morning that you would surrender to God, that you would give your day over to God. And not only in the morning, but now at night, that you would lay your, before you lay your head down on your pillow, that you would surrender to God and that you would write down the things that have maybe happened during the day. Questions to ask yourself are these. I got three real quick questions. It says this, what good things have I done today? What good things have you done? I mean, have you shared your experience, strength, and hope today? I mean, I talked earlier about talking to another alcoholic, talking to another person that struggles in similar areas as you. Have you done that today? Have you prayed with somebody today? What are the good things you've done? What bad things have I done today? Have I hurt somebody by my words or by my actions? What have I learned today? What have you learned? Have you read anything or gone to a meeting that you would learn something about your addiction, your area of recovery? What have you learned today about your area of recovery? That you'd write those things down. Now the E in 10 is this. Evaluate the good and the bad. So not only are we evaluating just the good things, and happy-go-lucky, but we're also looking at the bad things. And you're not just looking at the bad things, but you're also looking at the good things. Keep it balanced. It's good and bad and ugly, right? That's the way it works. First John chapter 1, verse 8 says this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us that we would evaluate our lives, that we would look at the good and the bad. And if you walk through the day and you go, I didn't sin, I was perfect today. Mm, Let's rethink that a little bit. At least, here's the deal, I have to. 
I know I have to. What are the things that we've done? Maybe if you were by yourself and you didn't talk to anybody all day, maybe. But if you're like me and you're by yourself, that's when you do your worst. So um, John chapter three, verse 21 says this. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. That you would live by the truth, that you would come into the light. That you'd get out of denial, you'd be honest and open. This is an honest program. That's what we're talking about, that you would be open and honest and live by that. The N in 10 is this, need to admit our wrongs promptly. Now, I've learned that in the middle of a fight when you realize you're wrong, not to go, oh, you're right, I'm wrong. Most of the time I'm fighting, the people I'm fighting with, and I say that, usually my spouse, I say, you're, you're right, I'm wrong. Usually it's my tone that gives away that I wasn't really it and I was just trying to get off the hook and end the fight. Doesn't go well. But that we would stop our character defects. That we would stop those defects of character that keep rearing their ugly head, that keep coming out of the side of our neck. Being evasive for me. Being asked a direct question and I try to make it a multiple choice or a... And I'm like, I'm like the Matrix. I'm like, bullets are flying and I'm dodging, baby. Right? That's how it works. That we, we stop our lying. We're honest. And maybe some of us are still struggling with denial. Some of us are still holding on to an area that we don't want to really be open about yet. And honest about. But that you would be open and honest. Matthew 5, 23 says this, it says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Man, if you know somebody's got something against you, go make it right. Be that person and say, hey, it just seems like there's something weird between us. Is there something that I need to fix? Is there something I've done to offend you? And you make that right, that you would leave your gift there at the altar and go and be reconciled with that person. Make amends. This is not an amends to get off the hook. It's not to get off the hook and get out of the fight. It's an amends to truly admit that you are wrong and take ownership for your wrong. And then to do whatever it takes to make it right. That's what 10 is. Taking time daily. You know, evaluate all those areas of your life the good and the bad, and the need to admit our wrongs promptly. Two weeks, we're gonna go through Spartzlo and we're gonna really dive into this stuff. So let me, let's stand and let's close our time with a serenity prayer at 7.29 and 57 seconds. Yes! God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen. Amen.